Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. All right, so I promised earlier in the week that I was going to be more consistent with my episodes, with my podcast episodes, and that really hasn't come to fruition. Well, I have to... Uh, I'm going to have to blame it on my TV schedule. It's been far more hectic than I expected it to be this week. I'm not complaining. I'm just explaining. Anyway, do hope to get back to a routine as soon as I can. But here we go. Uh, Russell Westbrook is becoming quite the topic for a non-all-star point guard on a team that is well underwater. 10 games under 500 now, I believe, just having lost to the worst team in the Western Conference in overtime, the Houston Rockets. Now, it was late December when I did an episode entitled Stop Blaming Russell Westbrook for Being Russell Westbrook. The point of that podcast was to illustrate how Westbrook wasn't playing or producing anything significantly different than what he had with the Washington Wizards or the Houston Rockets, his previous two stops. Admittedly, my podcast didn't seem to have much of an effect on Lakers fans or the Twitterverse. He was still being dragged on social media, and I got reports that the Crypto.com crowd, I believe that's the name of the arena now, uh, the crowded games was still creating a negative buzz or atmosphere rather than offering the encouragement you might find from Blazers or Warriors fans, for example, when one of their players might be struggling. The criticism has intensified as the season has gone on and the Lakers have sunk deeper and deeper in the standings. I'm going to get into just how much trouble they're in in the next episode, not just when it comes to this season, but the next season as well. But that is for the next episode. For those who may not be aware... Westbrook's wife, Nina, went on a Twitter tirade about the treatment her husband is getting, in particular from my FS1 colleague, Skip Bayless, who 
has taken to calling him Westbrook, uh, Westbrick on a regular basis because of his well-documented shooting woes. She insinuated, Nina that is, that his, skips that is, derogatory comments on air have emboldened others to attack her and her family with obscenities and death threats via social media. At least I assume it's via social media. She said, she said she was not defending her husband, that he didn't need that because he is his own person and can stand up for himself, that she was responding because she felt the criticism of her husband had created an unsafe atmosphere for her family, and that required her to speak up. For those who may not know, the Westbrooks have three young children. From what I can gather, as I said, none of the threats was made in person or directly to the Westbrooks. I'd have to think that that would have been specifically mentioned if that was the case. They were done via social media. And I don't say that to minimize how it feels to be threatened in any form, but I will say there is a difference, and I can speak to that firsthand. Not long ago, there was a well-known figure in my local community who was going through a really hard time, lost a high-profile job, and got divorced. It appeared to send him over the edge. He was openly threatening people in public, particularly those he felt that had wronged him in some way. Now, I wasn't one of those people, but anytime we crossed paths, he made me uneasy. We live in the same neighborhood. You could feel the crazy anger just radiating off of him. My teenage daughter told me of an interaction with him that scared her. Now, his actions in that case weren't directed at her in a way that I felt I needed to do or say something, but the thought crossed my mind that one day I might have to, and not knowing how he might react to that made me nervous. If I woke up one morning and heard that he'd shot someone or got violent in some other way, I would not have been the least surprised. I imagined having to confront him and then having to be on the lookout for him showing up at my house with a gun or keeping an eye out for his car. That's the vibe I was getting. That's an entirely different fear that when I, that, than what I get from threats on social media. And yes, I've had quite a few of those. Anyone who has any sort of public profile, I imagine, has received them. The ease and randomness with which some human beings are willing and able to spew vile comments and vicious threats at complete strangers still astonishes me. I believe the license to do that is also more acceptable than ever thanks to the behavior of some recent government officials, shall I say, who treated name-calling and ridicule as an acceptable form of public discourse. I still find it stunning that we had a president who routinely bullied and mocked people and was cheered for it. Civility, it would seem, is now perceived as a weakness. Every now and then, I wondered if one of the particularly vicious or angry people coming at me on social media might go to the trouble of finding out where I live and show up on my doorstep, or that they might recognize me on the street and come at me. Now, I'm not always prudent when threatened, especially if my family is present. 
Those situations have been extremely, extremely rare. And I can only think of one specific occasion off the top of my head many years ago. But I have heard my wife say, Rick, don't, or let it go more than once. But I also understand that being in the public eye means being subject to the whims of the public eye and that I can't control what people say or do. I'm surprised Russ doesn't understand that as well because he clearly doesn't. He said the other day that he will no longer accept being called Westbrick and will confront anyone using it as if that is going to change anything. As if acknowledging that someone is saying words, words that bother you, is going to get them to stop. When their entire reason for using those words, in most cases, is to bother you. It reminds me that a person being disciplined in one respect doesn't mean they're disciplined in everything they do. Russ clearly is disciplined about his conditioning over the years. Disciplined about... How he plays the game? Not so much. Disciplined with how he interacts with the media? Not so much. And clearly not disciplined in his ability to rein his emotions when he feels attacked. That's a problem for Russ. Not for anyone else. Just Russ. I suppose what I find most galling about Westbrook complaining about people mocking him is that he has made a career of doing the exact same thing. How many times has he scored on an opponent and pantomimed rocking a baby to sleep, suggesting his opponent is as helpless as a sleeping infant against him? Or scored on an opponent in the paint or around the basket and made a gesture that the opponent was too small to guard him? Or the video of him being asked a question by the media and curling his lip in disdain at the very question. How many times have we seen Russ talking trash to an opponent in a very demonstrative way? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Talking about how proud his son is of his last name, Westbrook, and look, I get the sentiment, but it was a reach for sympathy that didn't land. That's one of the other elements that Westbrook had out there, is talking about his son and how proud he was. And that's one of the reasons why he wasn't going to accept Westbrook anymore. Now, Russ and I have two completely different views of how to parent in a moment like that. If my kid expressed pride in his last name and wondered why people were misusing it or changing it into an insult, I'm not going to throw that out into the public hoping people will change. This actually reminds me of a conversation I had with my, my daughter at one point, asking her early on if she was teased uh, about her last name. 
because that, that was an easy one for me. People called me puker all the time. I wondered the same thing was happening with my kids. And she did. There was a couple things, a couple, couple names that, that kids used. And we talked about it. And I just didn't make it a big deal. And as a result, she never made it a big deal either. It was, it was basically demonstrating, oh, they do? Huh. I went through that too. She could see that I survived. And that's essentially what kids do. So just didn't see it as that big of a deal. That's, that's if, if I'm going to throw it out in the public, hoping people will change, then I'm trying to shield my kid from the reality of the world. I'd see it as my job to teach my kid how to deal with people doing that. All of this smacks his entitlement as suggesting that Russ believes he and his family are above such treatment. It's an interesting perspective knowing where Russ grew up and that he doesn't come from a family of means or influence by any stretch. A silver spoon kid thinking he was born to be treated a certain way would make more sense. But it's also not a sudden discovery. Russ has treated a lot of media members as if they and their questions are beneath him. A lot of players, too, to be honest. A healthy number of Westbrook fans, or fans in general, were quick to blame the media for this situation, for talking about Westbrook's struggles, for being unfair and mean and creating a toxic environment. That's what, essentially what Nina was doing. As if fans, as well as the Westbrooks, don't have the capacity to ignore what is being said or written. As if he and his wife couldn't stay off social media or change the channel. As for games, I can understand if he doesn't feel comfortable bringing his kids or family to games with the way things are going right now for him and the Lakers. But since when are a player and his family guaranteed being treated like royalty at games? Since when is anyone assured that if they bring their family to work that they won't hear or see something derogatory? Where does it say that a player must feel comfortable bringing his family to games? It would be like me having my family with me in the locker room when I'm doing interviews and suggesting that no one should be allowed to turn down a request or blow me off or give a snarky answer because my family is there and they might feel badly about dad or themselves as a result. I actually had an instance several years ago when my son was with me at a game and I decided to mix a little bit of work with pleasure by going by the New Orleans Pelicans locker room. I had gone back some weeks earlier. I'd gone back to Chicago to talk to some of Anthony Davis's coaches early in his career. And I heard through the grapevine that AD and his dad weren't help happy with the piece. This was at a time when AD was still in New Orleans. I wanted to find out if it was true and attempt to broker some sort of peace if it was, because I'm not anti-AD. He is genuinely a sweet dude based on what I've seen and heard. I'm anti the media who have blown him up into a much better player than I believe him to be. Anyway, I caught him as he was walking from the locker room to the team bus, and my son was trailing me. I, he probably 12, 13, maybe 14. Now, um, I asked AD if he had a minute, 
he waved me off and kept walking. Uh, now, I don't know if it was because he was mad about the piece, mad about the game, or what. But my son had never seen anyone ever treat his dad that way. And this was Anthony Davis. My son had a look of shock on his face. And on the drive home, he asked why AD had acted that way. So <laughs> tells you how much it hit him. Like it took until we were in the car for him to ask, what, wh- why was that? Why did that happen? And I explained as best I could about the story and how dealing with that was a part of my job. A hard part of my job, but part of the job. Now, I've long thought of Russ as an old school type player. He wasn't about making friends. If he had to piss off all the other all-stars in his brazen pursuit of the MVP award, he didn't care. If he was going to battle teammates for rebounds to keep his triple-double pace going, so be it. He didn't compromise, and he didn't apologize. It's what made him great, and what is now making it impossible to adapt as... His ability to just bull rush opponents and succeed by force of will is waning. Age and injuries are catching up with him. But this reaction to being called Westbrick is not old school. It's very much new age. Heightened sensitivity to how we treat each other is certainly not a bad thing. It's a good development. But We're not talking about Westbrook being called a racial slur, being discriminated against, or suffering from a hate crime. He is being mocked because of how he is doing his job. Mocked by people he does not know. If I were to stutter or mispronounce names or words on a regular basis writing stories or giving commentary on TV and radio, I would expect to be mocked as well. Speaking well, wielding the English language correctly, is as fundamental to my job as shooting is to Russell's. All too often, I see people taking up arms anytime anyone claims they're being mistreated. No, it's not always a case of mistreatment. Sometimes, it's a case of someone getting their just due. Sometimes, people need to be called out and immediately bypassing whether or not the person's behavior merits being called out and defending them under the auspices that they belong to some group that at some point in the past has been maligned or treated unfairly, that doesn't work for me. Speaking of utilizing language correctly, I was also appalled at all the misspellings and grammatical errors in Nina Westbrook's social media posts. Maybe I'm old school, but Wreaking havoc with the English language that way leads me to believe one of two things. You're too illiterate to know better, or you're too lazy to proofread what you've written. It also speaks to not understanding or accepting the scrutiny that comes with being visible in the public eye. Nina may not have been that visible up until now, but the second she invoked her husband's name, she was stepping to center stage right next to him. Anyone who works in a public forum has a responsibility that comes with that fame or visibility, and that's to respect it, to understand that you will be judged more harshly because you have been granted the perception, accurately or otherwise, of being more something than the average person. 
more beautiful, more talented, more intelligent, more outrageous, more entertaining, more something, which means more is expected of you. It's the trade-off. And most people are okay with those terms, making that trade, getting greater recognition and acclaim, giving more thought and care to their words and actions and general comportment as a result. I believe the real reason, deep down, that Westbrook is ready to take on those who are mocking him, to demand that the labels being attached to him as a player be removed or deleted, is because he is helpless to change the basis for those labels. He has tried to adjust his game, to be more judicious in his shot selection. And it's only made things worse. Because Westbrook, when he was at his best, wasn't thinking, wasn't playing conservatively, wasn't trying to fit in. He was blasting past everyone and demanding that his teammates keep up. And it worked. As long as he could go faster than anyone, as long as the cumulative effect of all that energy received more focus than the details in how those triple-doubles were accumulated, as long as no one noticed the league-leading turnover totals, as long as the value of his numbers weren't weighed against wins and losses, as long as it appeared he was dragging teams to higher heights than their collective talent seemed worthy or capable of. The real change came four years ago. People began to see him in a different light after he, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony lost to the Utah Jazz and the young up-and-comer Donovan Mitchell in the first round of the 2018 playoffs. At that point, Russ was no longer the underdog, as he had been for so many years in Oklahoma City. Now, he was the underdog the following year as the sixth seed versus the Portland Trailblazers, but he and George acted as if they were the team to beat in the series. And then Damian Lillard, Mr. Unsung, Mr. Genuine Overachieving Underdog his entire basketball career, became a folk hero with an iconic buzzer beater over Paul George to win the series. Westbrook finally bailed on OKC at that point perhaps hoping a change of location would inspire a change of fortune. He was into the search for a geographical answer to his shortcomings. If he was no longer going to be considered the underdog because he was in Oklahoma City, well, then he might as well go someplace else and at least see if he can pair up with better stars than he could attract to Oklahoma City. When being paired up in Houston with James Harden didn't go much better, second-round exit in the bubble, nor a turn with Bradley Beal in D.C., and those stars and teams were not noticeably better than they had been before he arrived, all while Paul George and KD were going on to have as much success or more without him, suddenly the magnifying glass was on Russ. Suddenly the question became, in spite of all those impressive numbers and all that energy, is Russ more hindrance than help? He wasn't being lauded for staying in Oklahoma City. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't lauded for taking Oklahoma City to the finals with KD. All that was firmly in the rearview mirror. Now, he was a perennial all-star. He was the triple-double king. And people were getting, beginning to examine exactly how much is that worth. 
the Lakers were his chance to prove otherwise, that those numbers were worth something, that he was a winning player. Because he was being paired now with the most acclaimed, consistent winner over the last decade, LeBron James. That, at least, was the narrative going in, no matter how flawed the premise that LeBron and Russ were built to play together might have been. Something that I certainly made mention of plenty of times back when that first came together. And I must say, I am amazed at the number of, the pe number of people who were all gung-ho about how it was going to work and work well and how quiet they've been. Haven't heard a whole lot of Mia couples on that front. In any case, we know how that turned out. But that was to be expected. I don't know how true the rumors are that Russ has refused to come off the bench. And I don't much care. It wouldn't make a difference. He'd probably be worse off the bench. Because it's a role he never played and it is not the same as starting. Refusing to be demoted, though, is in keeping with the Russ I've always known and appreciated. Even if that stubbornness has been his undoing of late. It is who he is. This Russ, the Russ who complains about being called a less than complimentary name, the Russ who accuses the fans of not being nice to him, who accuses everyone of taking the game of basketball a little too seriously. I don't know this Russ. All I know is I like him a whole lot less than the old one. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And as of right now, I am planning to make the next episode about the Lakers and just how much trouble they are in. I have been the one that has been holding the candle in the dark, suggesting that there's still a path to which they could make some noise in the Western Conference. But that has become, become increasingly less likely, and I will explain exactly why. However, we also have Sixers Nets coming up, and I may need to let that subject jump the line and get to the Lakers afterward. We'll see. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.